Scams have been around forever, but a more modern twist is catfishing, usually driven by online dating or other social media. Ultimately, it's a con, a deception, usually but not always to obtain money. The schemes can be simple. The fisher asks for money to travel to meet their online lover, or very complex, lasting months or years and ruining many people financially and emotionally. The con rarely draws in other people close to the victim. The risk of exposure is too great. But what if they drew in a family and so completely fooled them that they saw no way out of the nightmare other than to kill themselves? They are only charged with fraud. Should they have been charged with culpable homicide? This is the case of Lindsay Cotton. And this is Murder Me on Monday. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Murder Me Monday podcast. I'm Cameron and you're with me, his mother. Hello. If you would like to support us via patreon.com, where you get early access and exclusive content and stickers should you want them, please do consider it. Links in our bio. And thank you to all our current supporters. But if you can't sign up, we understand. But leaving a review is good too. And a big thank you to those who've reached out recently. We are really feeling the love, I think. It's been really sweet. I come to the stairs of a morning. And you're like, look, positive <laughs> reviews or just a random review that we don't know where it has come from. Yeah. Because they're not aggregated anywhere. No. There's like random websites that we get reviewed from. And I'm like, oh, they think I'm the funny one. Yes. <laughs> I provide nothing of substance apart from the occasional funny thing. Apart from that, useless. Right. This is around catfishing to some degree that obviously ends in some form of death. But like mm. you said, she's only sentenced for the fraud. What made you find this? Where did you find this? Or were you watching too much MTV Catfish with Max and Neve? Who I fucking hate, by the way. He gives me the creeps. Which one? The one with the weird smile. Neve, yeah. Max isn't in it and he hasn't been in it for quite some time. He's gone off to do other things. He didn't pass the sniff test. I don't like him. It weirds me out. I haven't, I haven't watched it for years. I, why did I find this one? Because I got fed up with it being men serial killers. Oh, did you? Yeah, and I just thought, let's do something slightly different. That It's a, such a complex and convoluted case. It's not straightforward. Not partner kills partner. No, and it's not murder. It's not even manslaughter. She's responsible for two people's deaths. But Cameron, I'm sorry, you're going to have to suspend your natural cynicism. So stay with me on this one, okay? This week, we are off to Bonnie, Scotland. And it's important to note that in Great Britain and Northern Ireland, the legal systems are very different for each country, which may explain some of this if you can't get your head around it. Let us start as close to the beginning as I can get. Michael Madonna, he's in his 30s. He's one of four children, three boys and a younger sister. Parents are long divorced. He's a corporal in the Royal Air Force. And in August 2011, he goes online looking to meet someone and start a relationship and goes to the most common one of the time, plenty of fish. It takes a while, but May of 2012, he is contacted by a profile of a pretty blonde girl that he is quickly very enamoured of. Her name is Stephanie and Michael falls head over heels in love. They talk frequently on the phone and whilst he's a bit bothered by the fact that Every time he tries to physically meet her, it just doesn't happen. Something always goes wrong. He's so firmly convinced that Steph, as she was known, was the woman for him. He buys an engagement ring, spending £2,000 on it. 
One of the reasons Steph couldn't meet up with him was that there was ongoing family drama in her life. Her sister's boyfriend was a handful, to say the least, and there'd even been a fight with Steph at one point, with Steph getting sent to prison for breach of the peace, which was one of the reasons why one of the attempts to meet Michael fell through. So is it Steph that's claiming that she got sent to prison based on a breach of peace? Yes. Okay. Right. Please... I'll try and hold your questions in. Don't you try to set yourself in a positive light in this kind of thing? You'd have thought so. I know you being a, a victim or a vulnerable person in this ruse is a way to manipulate people and to feel sorry for you. So it's like empathy points, isn't it? Yeah, you're not wrong. Steph's mother contacts Michael at some point. I believe a lot of the communication was done through Facebook. She told Michael that the boyfriend of the sister had attacked Steph leaving her with bleeding on the brain. And it was so severe that her only hope was stem cell treatment being trialled by a company called Biotech Scotland. Michael was also told he would not be able to visit Steph in hospital because of a confidentiality agreement with the company. Wait, wait, repeat that. He couldn't go and see her while she was having this experimental treatment because of a confidentiality agreement. Hold on. But it's confidentiality, which would be specifically around the processes involved in the basically regenic and stem cell, stem cell type stuff. It, if you're part of like a, a specific study where you're like, you have to be in a facility for two weeks, they need to monitor everything. If you fart funny, they want to know, which I guess if it's due with the brain, they might want to. But it's not a confidentiality thing. You're preaching to the choir, Cameron. I agree. I've got so much shit to say, and it might get to the point where, you know, if you see see something funny, you kind of have so many jokes backed up that you can't get any out because you're so overwhelmed. I'm going to have so many questions, I'm going to forget them. Mm -hmm. So keep scribbling them down. It's going to be a long list. Biotech Scotland did not exist. I'm guessing that Lindsay used the fact that it was supposedly top secret and government affiliated to explain away why there was no trace of said company if Michael went looking for it. So, as we said, you're probably boggle-eyed, but it's easy to get sucked into lies. It really is. Upping the ante, Steph's mother then tells Michael that a doctor in the trial had tried to kill Steph by poisoning her and that biotech would be paid £100 million if all the patients in the trial died. Yes, a doctor was supposedly going to bump off all the patients in this trial. Steph's mother said that the government was involved and the press had been banned from reporting on the case. She said Michael was keeping Steph alive with his support and Biotech were preventing him from seeing her in an attempt to kill her. Now, we can all get to the point, possibly, to say how the absolute hell did he fall for it, but that's only in hindsight. He's in the RAF, stuck on base, and possibly terrified that the woman he loves, who he hasn't yet had a chance to meet and give the engagement ring to, is probably going to die before he can get there, and he can't tell anyone. Michael's mum, Margaret, was a nice lady. She lived in a small house in Paisley in Scotland. 
Paisley is to the west of Glasgow with a population of around 77,000. Margaret was a giver. She was a foster carer for children taken into care. She's not well paid at all. She'd also been a local Liberal Democrat councillor at one point. Margaret was the type of person a child could go to with problems and it didn't matter what age the child was. Michael may have been told you can't talk, but he tells his mum. Margaret is so... He didn't sign the NDA. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he might have done. Hmm. Margaret is so concerned, she discusses the whole thing with Michael's sister, Nicola, who was at university training to be a social worker. Again, another caring profession. The two of them were terrified for Michael. It gets worse. Lindsay Cotton enters the picture under her real name. She contacts Michael. I can't tell you a lot about her. She was born on the 22nd of August 1982, so would have been about 30 at this time. Lindsay had her first child at around 19 years old and another by 2003. By the time the events of this case took place, she was living in an old mining village called Adewell, which is about 40 miles from Paisley to the east of Glasgow. The only notable thing about the place now really is that it has a low-risk prison there. Lindsay was very overweight, and it's relevant. She even left school early due to bullying because of it. But it leads to some long-term medical conditions. And while she did see many doctors and get referred to hospitals and dietitians many times for treatment, she rarely follows through or sticks to the medication. And that ultimately causes the final outcome, I think, as we shall hear. Lindsay tells Michael that she was like a mother figure to Steph. And he was still being contacted by Steph's mother who, as you've all correctly guessed by now, is Lindsay, as is Steph. But the Steph bit gets worse later. There's also no sister, nor an abusive boyfriend. Michael was manipulated and tricked into giving Lindsay nearly £5,000, a Blackberry, remember those, mobile phones, and an iPhone, decorating her home, and at even one point, moving in with her. Naturally, Lindsay's friends are, who's this guy? And she's happily telling them that Michael is her fiancé. Michael had no clue. Michael's mother, Margaret, and sister become involved after Lindsay claimed that their testimonies would be needed to help a case which was to go before the European Court of Human Rights that could save Steph. Lindsay told them that they must write a letter to the European Court of Human Rights to say how much Michael had been affected by the case. And they agreed to write these letters, which, if it had been a real case, would have done nothing. Plus the hook that Lindsay used to get them to agree to this, there could be a payout of £100 million for this case the same amount that that doctor was being paid to kill all the trial patients off. This is giving me weird vibes from the last episode we did, the Ronald Roland, Reggie, whatever the fuck he was called. Yeah, Burger King. Yeah, (laughs) the the twin that wasn't a twin that is trying to be married to three people simultaneously at the same time. You've got this Steph chick that's also Lindsay, Lindsay's mum, the sister that didn't exist at any point. Yeah, all of it. And somehow managed to convince Michael... 
It might have been last week's one that made me remember this case, but I also got fed up with dealing with, it's always the flipping blokes that are violent, you know. If anybody knows anything about ECHR, in theory, Lindsay could have possibly been right that they would have taken such a case. ECHR has got nothing to do with the EEC, completely separate. But the UK did sign up for it. What? EEC. European Economic Community. What we came out of, Brexit. Lots of people think it's linked into it, but it's got nothing to do with it. We've signed up for it. What it actually is, is a person's last resort for holding the state to account when the state has abused that person's rights. And it's actually been quite successful in stopping some governments overstepping the boundaries, including the UK. We've been ruled against by this court. Yeah, there's several instances of, yeah. I guess, the sort of like famous cases now. I'm assuming this is the same thing, at least, where if you have a judgment that isn't sort of that isn't correct, you can then elevate it continuously to the highest court in the land kind of thing. Yes, it depends on what legal precedent you're looking to do. It. You, yeah. you, you'd appeal it, you know, to the, the high court and then. But people do try and take cases to European courts of human rights. But yeah, it's because not there, there is, there's a certain point that like supersedes like a yeah. local government thing. Yes, yeah. yeah. So anything that was supposedly happening to Steph should have been going through other courts. But in Lindsay's obviously clever and manipulative enough to get Michael, his sister and his mother to believe it all. All secret, all done undercover. This is, uh, this is 2012. Yes. Did they even try to Google this company in Scotland that does not, does not exist? If I'm potentially going to be dealing with the sums as close to £100 million not pay out because why would it be to anyone it wouldn't be just a staff it would be everyone involved in the in the study you don't know how many people that is i would contact an attorney lawyer someone someone separate a third party person that is so that means that i'm not going to get fucked over if i do do something dumb like sign a real nda which most nda don't actually count for anything you are not wrong but i suspect she was that good at coming up with it sounds pretty sophisticated. I'm surprised yeah. we've done it. We've done it before, where these people are so intent on committing fraud or scamming to a degree, it gets so sophisticated and really quite impressive. At a certain point, it's like turkey fakes. Well, turkey fake, like, like, oh, like yeah. a handbag in Turkey or like a super dry hoodie in Turkey. Yeah, they're just as good as a real one at this point. Yeah, I'm getting wound up by this. I believe that they probably were taking everything either at face value because they are fundamentally. They expect to be treated the way the same way that they would treat others. They're both yes. both women are in caring professions. You don't go into the REF to earn a fortune either. You serve in your own country, so they were probably just quite gentle, naive souls at heart. But then Lindsay may have gotten bored, or maybe Michael started pulling back. Maybe her control over Michael and his mother and sister was slipping because she ups the ante. Lindsay tells Michael and his mother and sister that they had breached the confidentiality of Steph's case, that they were to blame, and they both faced 20 years in prison. Not Michael, his mother Margaret and sister Nicola. Now, why would they believe her? She had drawn up fake NDAs and had them sign them. Lots of other fake documents too. And it was almost enough, but she had to really convince them. Lindsay brings another player into the game. She's now posing as a lawyer. 
she starts sending Margaret and Nicola messages saying that they have to flee the country. She, as this lawyer, demanded £5,000 to make the case go away and a further 500 to arrange a fake passport for Nicola. On the 7th of May 2013, Lindsay goes to Margaret's home in Paisley to discuss the crisis, all of which is fake and all of which she created. Whatever she said to them, we do not know, but it was enough to terrify Margaret and Nicola. They simply do not have the money to give to Lindsay or, the, or this lawyer. Margaret had an old car worth less than £5,000 and a couple of hundred pounds in the bank. Nicola was a student. They had no way of even getting a loan, not that they could afford to pay it back. Margaret did own the house, not clear if it was paid off, and possibly could have taken equity out on it. So I wondered if the manipulation by Lindsay was the urgency factor and the money needed to be paid within 10 days or something, which would have been impossible to do even if they could have gotten a loan against the house. Something as absurd as that doesn't sound so absurd once you know the weird things around, like um, if you have a weird warrant out for you from the day it's done to you've got three weeks later that you need to contact a lawyer, get get it paid off and do community service and start the community service, do your hours within those three weeks and you, you're like, it would be impossible for me to do if I wasn't a student that lived at home and, and had a car. So to say something like, you've only got 10 days to get this stuff sorted, otherwise it's, it's impossible. Obviously, Lindsay's encouraging this ex um, urgency. Yes. Don't think, just get me the five grand is what yeah. it's, each, is each? Because it's, like, no. it's, it's like five grand plus 500 for the, the passport, et cetera. Yeah. But is it five grand each or just like five grand total? Just five grand total. Yeah, it's get me the five grand as quick as you can. So knowing what I know about that, I don't see that as that being too outlandish because that's kind of thinking, oh shit, it might actually be that quick. Well, we have cyber training at work and I'll talk about it this later, but it's one of the, the known tactics. A really effective cyber training thing is just don't respond to emails. <laughs> I think the bosses are getting fed up with that. It ain't email if I don't respond to it. Margaret and Nicola, they're completely bamboozled. They felt they had nowhere to turn, no one who would help them, no one to confide in or to seek advice from. They absolutely seemed to have believed everything they were being told and they thought they would both go to prison for 20 years or have to go on the run abroad and never come home. That's, wait, there's a slight discrepancy between... Right, it's either five grand to suddenly make this go away or 20 years. That seems... I know. If someone had said it's, it's a 50 grand thing and it's 20 years, but we can get it down to five grand in maybe two or three years... That would kind of make sense. But say it's five grand or 20 years in prison. Yeah. That the juxtaposition between that or the contrast to that would stand out to me. Yeah. But as with a lot of um, scam artists, they go for smaller amounts because they're usually easier that's to obtain. No, that is. That's the equivalent of £250 a year in prison. That's what that would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. If you're supposed to be in prison for 20 years and it's cost five grand, that's £250 a year for this weird supposed NDA thing. Anyway, sorry, carry on. I know, it's I'm, not I'm, making I'm, any sense. I'm picking holes in Lindsay's, what's, yeah. Yeah, so they've got to run abroad, never come home. They've got no resources to survive abroad. Nicola's education will be ruined. Where would they even go that didn't have an extradition treaty with the UK? Very few places except some countries that have questionable human rights records and are very unwelcoming to women. And as we've discussed before, Cameron, screams of how cults manage to convince followers, doesn't it? Lindsay's trying to separate Michael from any form of support you may have had with his mother and sister. She's isolating him. 
the a definition of cult isn't something that doesn't allow inside uh, outside influence to the internal thing it's typically they ha- they're like devout followers that are have like a person to worship almost but yeah I, I get what you're meaning it's like creating an insular environment is what a typical manipulator tactic is yeah if you've got a supportive family and you want to manipulate someone remove them from that support support network exactly what she thought she was going to actually achieve from this i don't know maybe she did think that they were going to jump on a a ferry and go off to france yeah, or Spain. Well, what, what about if they just like and she, wait she must know as well that they probably don't have the funds for this as well possibly but five thousand quid to somebody like her would have been a lot of money and maybe she thought well she works she gets money they can afford this they've got a nice house is michael aware of what Lin- Lindsay's saying to there must have been to a point to a point but maybe nicola and margaret didn't want to reveal to michael true so true. yeah the 9th of may 2013 margaret goes to a solicitor you're all cheering now mentally aren't you she doesn't ask for help she actually makes a will leaving her house to her three sons michael was the middle one she makes the eldest executor of her will the whole estate comprising of her house was worth less than £260,000. Nicola is not mentioned in the will. Margaret then does not pick up one of the foster children she looked after from school. The alarm was raised and her and Nicola are reported as missing. 10th of May 2013. The public were all horrified to hear news headlines that two women had been attacked in a Premier Inn in Greenock, with one dead and the other not expected to survive her injuries. The circumstances had the police baffled initially. Did they have a raging lunatic going around killing people in a small Scottish town, or was it a family dispute that got out of hand? But it was worse than either of those when they realised that these were the two missing women they had been looking for. Margaret, then aged 52, and Nicola, aged 23, are driven to the hotel about 18 miles from their home in Paisley, arriving mid-afternoon, then going out into the early hours of the morning of the 10th, returning to the hotel, and then committed suicide in one of the most gruesome fashions by slashing themselves, not stabbing. Margaret was found dying in the hotel room and Nicola was found outside in the hallway, gravely injured. Possibly she changed her mind, went for help, but it was too late. Nicola succumbed to her injuries three days later. Margaret didn't even make it to the hospital. Now, this is all over the press. Initially, the public didn't know the names of the victims, but Lindsay must have. She panicked and contacted Michael. Did she know it through Michael? Because Michael would have been informed that it was his mother and sister. And then he could have then informed Lindsay. Because how else would she have known? Grapevine. Facebook. You know what Facebook's like. True. Facebook detectives. Mm. True. She tried to get Michael to destroy evidence by getting rid of mobiles and paperwork. And could he kindly not tell the police anything? Finally, the shock of losing his mother and sister must have been horrendous. But this request coming on top, maybe it was a light bulb moment as it took the police 10 days to finally arrest Lindsay, which made me suspect Michael either didn't tell the police initially or actually didn't even know that Lindsay was behind it all. He could have still been very scared for his fiancée, Steph, couldn't he? 
I brought it up before. It might, might be the analogy. You don't leave a situation until it gets so severe it's warranted it, but you should have left it ages ago. You've used before the term boiled frog. The frog doesn't realise it's getting boiled, I guess. The deaths of his mother and sister, to me, would kind of push him to the point of thinking, well, my fiance is not the priority anymore almost but then you could also I could also see how it very much would be because now you don't have your mother and sister yeah and I think that would mentally be the point that he's he's leaning on his yes. fiance which is obviously Lindsay at this point yeah so Lindsay is charged with fraud between the 1st of May 2012 and the 22nd of May 2013 so if Nicola and Margaret died on the 10th of May 2013 Lindsay was still trying to get something out of Michael 12 days afterwards, wasn't she? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, if that's the charge date. And it takes a long time to get to trial. The reports needed must have been immense. But eventually, in April 2015, Lindsay Cotton was charged with obtaining money, goods and services by fraud, attempted extortion and attempting to defeat the ends of justice with the prosecution stating that she had obtained £6,685 in cash and a load of other stuff. She's obviously denied it all, but the motive, she wanted Michael. She does eventually plead guilty and is obviously convicted. The digital evidence was overwhelming. I think it was something like 15 mobiles and at least two laptops were seized from her. How many mobiles? 15. Why is she need a drug dealer at this point? We've got so many phones. Exactly. Well, she's the lawyer. She's Steph's mother. She's Steph. She's... 15 phones. Yeah. A lawyer said that she was embarrassed, but she wasn't a threat and had two children she needed to look after. One aged 11, one aged 15. That didn't sway the judge because on the 8th of October 2015, she was sentenced to three years imprisonment. Three years. Because... Fraud. But we are not finished yet. There is a Biotech Scotland now, a genuine company set up in 2013 after this all went down. In Glasgow as well, it's a huge science hub. The people who named their company that would not have known anything about the name being used in a fraud due to our contempt of court rules. So none of the evidence would have been in the public space before the court case. They wouldn't have known about it. So who was Stephanie? Remember, there was a picture being used on Plenty of Fish, or POF. It was actually a photo of a relative, a niece, who barely knew Lindsay. And we're not stolen from Facebook, as that poor girl didn't even have an account. Seems like it was a photo of a photo. And Lindsay had been doing this since 2011. That poor niece got dragged into the investigation with the police initially thinking she was in on the plot. They took all her electronics and whatnot, but they quickly realised it wasn't her. Lindsay also had a history of catfishing other men by telling them that her teenage niece fancied them and then getting into a relationship with the men herself. One poor chap was driven to the brink with Lindsay's lies. She told him she was pregnant and claimed that she was a gun runner and a drug courier for Glasgow gangsters and he might be a target. When the guy was, hell no, I'm out of here, Lindsay, she claimed she was suffering from breast cancer and that one of her children had leukaemia. When he did walk away, 
he was arrested by the police after Lindsay accused him of what were considered breach of the peace offences. Charges were later dropped, but then he started receiving death threats. He ended up suicidal. Lindsay's own family had no idea what she was up to and they were not forgiving of her behaviour. Everyone thought mental health issues and it's extreme attention-seeking, isn't it? And I don't think mental health treatment would have worked as she was very avoidant at taking any responsibility for anything. And as I said earlier, she'd been backwards and forwards doctors with various medical issues her entire life, but rarely engaged. 1999, Lindsay's diagnosed with deep vein thrombosis. 2003, hypothyroidism. 2014. Hypothyroid. Hypothyroid. Hypo, not hypo. You said hyper. Hypo. Hypo means underactive. No, well, there you go. 20 but that's why I was confused because if she's overweight and she's hyperthyroid, I'll be like, what? No, it's hypothyroidism. 2014, gout. 2015, type 2 diabetes. We can see a trend here, can't we? She spends a lot of time with prison medical staff in Edinburgh where she's been sent after being found guilty. She's backwards and forwards to hospital because by this time, she couldn't really avoid it as she'd previously done. She just didn't used to turn up for appointments, used to make appointments for her and she just didn't go. She wrote to her former GP saying that the drugs she was being prescribed were not as good as when she was outside. So the GP wrote to the prison medical staff suggesting she was hypersensitive to pain and had a chronic pain syndrome. I don't know if it made any difference. By March of 2016... Despite the staff trying to help her to lose weight, which would have helped with a lot of her symptoms, and she had a bad back by this point, she was frequently in a wheelchair, she was 116 kilos, or over 18 stone, and her BMI, which we all know is rubbish, but mm, it's interesting, 40.1. My BMI is, I think, obese, even though I'm like... You haven't got an ounce of fat on you. I'm 6 foot 2, 98 kilos, with abs still, but I'm still considered obese. Yeah, but... She's suffering with breathlessness and a lot of places say she had heart problems. The medical staff were concerned by this point that she was suffering with sepsis. And 19th of March, she had blood transfusions due to anemia. She was on antibiotics and she was not getting better. She had two seizures very quick and then shipped off to hospital and has a CAT scan just in case. Lindsay Cotton dies at the age of 33 in the early hours of 20th of March 2016. Her cause of death? Pulmonary thromboembolism, deep venous thrombosis of the right calf and obesity. So your thoughts? Should she have been charged with more than fraud? I think she should have been. There's been several cases. A woman in America bullied her partner into committing suicide she got sentenced to it you're a active party you're a participant you're not you're one that's loaded the gun and given it to them i know you could say well it's down to the responsibility of the individual not to do it but you've laid the ground they've just laid in the groundwork you've set the narrative you make the person believe something so it's happened yeah. under under their in their reality it is true yeah well if you're wondering about manslaughter because I, I know when this, I got the synopsis, I did discuss that before. One of the things I did want to mention as well is some people might be thinking, why didn't the, the, the family members question Lindsay more or even question Steph more because they ran, managed to get convinced? 
I discussed with you how we're like socially conditioned when someone that we like or approve or a part of our family in the first place then like bring someone in in your head they've kind of gone through this pre-vetting process yes if i introduce you to a friend you go cameron's xyz you probably said much worse than xyz <laughs> and you think his friend is probably of a similar thing to me yes for example so it's the same thing with a, a sibling or a partner or a child they introduce their partner you think well if they like them i like this person there's probably to a degree i'm going to have that especially someone like michael who is a, a corporal in the raf you might think oh corporal's not high in high-ranking military officials something i don't know that to be honest if you're below a corporal you probably think corporal's pretty fun to be if you're in the army corporals to me it sounds pretty prestigious in the army anyway you're not just like a pog or a grunt do you know what i mean you're something yeah so in my head or in, in their head as well they're going to think this sophisticated man is going to have a greater level of due diligence or background check almost on people that are going to be involved in his life. Unfortunately, that's not been the case. And a lot of people can be victims of that. An analogy or an example I've used to you before is in like a dating scene. If you're a guy and you go to a nightclub, you speak to a girl, they're kind of like, oh, I'm not really feeling it or whatever. And you then say, oh, can you pick out a girl for me? Maybe do you think it might work? Mm -hmm. You kind of get like talking and then they might introduce you to that girl and to that new girl. You've gone through that vetting process of having known a guy. So they're probably thinking not an axe murderer. Sorry, you're a guy that's known a girl. So you're not that weird if you've had a girl introduce you. You've kind yeah. of passed that part of at least knowing a woman in your life. It's a similar thing to this. They're going to believe, unfortunately, that all the lies that Lindsay has spun is being true because they trust their son, who they think has done it himself, like done the due diligence himself. Yeah. And he's fallen for it because you don't just automatically assume that all of this is a lie. I know I've got like some weird monologue thing here, but it's what I think would be the rationale behind it because it often is. Like if a friend of mine tells me a lie, I tell you the lie. To you, it's not a lie. To me, it wasn't a lie. So for you, it's you start acting as if that's the truth because it is for all intents and purposes. But this is the whole point when you have uh, relationship breakdowns. You only usually hear one side and there's yeah. always two sides. There's always two you, sides. You often don't hear the or the positives. You don't hear the positives yeah. entirely. You only hear the negatives because people are often, by nature, we're biased to talk about the negative. Well, Which this is why I'm glad we have so many good reviews, by the way. Yes, <laughs> yes. The narrative with the whole of this is negative, isn't it? It's complete negativity to Paul, Michael, Margaret, and Nicola. Because it's a saviour thing. Yeah. And it might play to his character archetype. Michael's this guy in the RAF who sort of does this thing. It's like, yeah. he's thinking, oh, That's what I said. This, this might appeal to him. So as well, you're not like to, less likely to help someone or feel like you're a protector if there's nothing wrong with them. That's why there's always something wrong in all these other catfishing attempts she's done. Yeah. No, we'd say we talked about manslaughter, didn't we? And it's not a thing in Scotland. And even if it was, the problem with that is the charge. The expectation, the wording is, is about around a reasonable person could or should have known the possible outcomes of their actions. So I, I think that is though. Well, it's it's the mens rea. It's the it's the intent behind whether a reasonable person would have thought that Margaret and Nicola would have gone off and killed themselves. And I don't think anybody could have foreseen that they would have reacted that way. And it's down, as we just discussed, their personality types. But culpable homicide is the equivalent of manslaughter in Scotland. Culpable homicide is defined as the act of killing a person in circumstances which are neither accidental nor justified, but where the wicked intent to kill or wicked recklessness required for murder is absent. And that term wickedness is rarely used in English law statutes, if at all, actually. But it boils down to the mens rea. Latin abounds. And the word wicked for me is key. Lindsay was wicked. 
It's absolutely wicked. We can only guess why she wasn't charged. Background reports, maybe. Maybe her multiple health problems. She was looking for a relationship, yet it could never have been on a level footing. Never real, as it was all based on lies, as she proved with previous partners. And I do think she should have been charged with that. I really do. I struggle to see how she isn't directly responsible. Much like financial crisis, when people commit suicide because of banking failures, people lose millions in investments or whatever. The banks have fucked around and you found out, unfortunately. I think they should be held liable. You're not wrong. There has been changes in UK law or English law around corporate manslaughter. Even even around this, I feel like the law is catching up to this. Yeah. Much like there's weird stuff like deep fake porn and AI stuff is going to come out. That needs to catch up. Like the the whole world is trying to catch up to the internet and the law is trying to catch up to the internet. Well, this was a hugely complex scam. Well thought out, but for minimal money. And this case isn't nearly as well known as it should be. The scam emails you get, we get loads of them to the podcast one, which is hysterical. You get with the hurry, don't miss out or ending soon. And it's to pull you in. Or you get a bill for PayPal or something. And then you start panicking your account or whatever has been hacked. It's all part of the game. It's easy to spot just by hovering over the email address where it's been sent from and realise quickly that it's fake. Even if it's close to a real company such as Netflix or Amazon, often the extension like .com or .co.uk has been changed to .ie or .biz or .net or something similar. But this was on a whole other level. And I remember reading an article very recently that something like up to 20% of men on dating sites have been caught by catfishers up to five times. No figures for the amount of women that fall for these scams. I think women tend to fall for bigger amounts. And it's always flipping military overseas or something daft or a doctor or something stupid. If you're online dating, then do a video call or FaceTime very early on. Not a call, because these two spoke to each other. Quite a few online dating apps now have a verification stage yes. of sending in a picture of your face. But the problem with that is, A, is it a bot or is it an actual person? It's probably a bot, because a lot of them are free, apart from if you pay for these like premium service type things. You can just take a picture off a picture, I feel, and that, that might be able to get past the bot. Well, you've got anti-aging filters. You've got... Yeah, especially with how advanced certain Instagram filters can be. They can literally change the shape of your face and your lips and you can't tell. No, I've seen quite a lot of stuff. I've been trying to avoid it, but I have been seeing them where they don't fall for this. Photographers have said that they've taken pictures of beautiful people, shown the the picture, you know, the, the proofs to the people and they've cried because in their heads they are what they see. On an Instagram filter. Yeah, yeah. I feel desperately sorry for Lindsay's children who got abuse for this, which is disgusting. They've also lost their mother, which could have happened even if she hadn't been in prison. But most of all for Michael, who must be in intense therapy even now, I would suspect, and probably would never, ever go on a date again. And that is the end of this week's episode. Finally, the victims who should not be forgotten. Margaret, aged 52, and Nicola, aged 23. So that's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Murder Me Monday Podcast. Email is at murderingmondaypodcast at gmail.com. My Instagram is camcomfocus. We will eventually arrange these weird nipple stickers for the podcast. We're struggling at the moment. It's complicated, but we're struggling. Find all the links and stuff we're associated with in the descriptions below. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Bye.